you know, back when I was uh, getting ready to go be an AIM student myself, I mentioned them earlier, I was going to get to spend the summer with my grandfather. And my grandfather was a, a preacher. He was a preacher for about 44, I think, years when he passed away. And uh, I hoped to get that last summer before going to school with him. I wanted to learn from him. I wanted to see what he did and why he did it and how he did it. I wanted to, to just be with my grandfather and my grandmother, who I love very much. And I wanted to uh, do what it really means to become a disciple. When you become a disciple of someone... Uh, like of Jesus, it means to become what they are. And whenever uh, a young Jewish man would choose a rabbi, they made that to become what that rabbi taught them. And when Jesus uses the phrase, take my yoke upon you, he's using a rabbinical phrase. The yoke was a rabbi's body of teaching. And when you decided to follow a particular rabbi and learn from them, you took their teaching on and lived it. And I kind of, I wouldn't have worded it that deeply, okay? I was not that way yet. Uh, but that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go and learn from my grandfather how to be a minister. Unfortunately, uh, that summer, I don't remember why, but whatever reason, that summer, it didn't work out. Still, I was hoping there would be other times. However, I went into AIM in August, and in September, my grandfather passed away. I uh, never got to go and, and learn from him all those things. I, I had paid attention my whole childhood, and he is a big reason uh, for why I'm Christian. He's a big reason for why I am a minister and, and do what I do and am passionate about it because of times that I spend with him. He's not the only influence, but he was a big influence. And uh, all my life, I felt that... If I had gotten to spend that summer, even just that one summer, I would be a better minister for the rest of my life because he was just absolutely incredible as a person, as a disciple, and as a minister. So really, really great guy. So why am I telling you that? Because that's what it means when God says to us, I want you to be, whether it's holy as I am holy, or to be perfect as I am perfect. We'll get to that one here in a couple of weeks because I need all the whole series to build up to that one because that one uh, I think is the most challenging. Now, certainly up to our ears, it is the most challenging. Second to it would be this one, be holy as I am holy. And I share this story about my grandfather because I'm sure that there are things that I'm better at because I knew him and there are things I would be far better at had I gotten to follow him around a little bit longer. And that that be like him is exactly what God has in mind when he says things like, Behold me as I am whole. He's not trying to give us some kind of unattainable, uh, impossible standard that we look at and go, Well, that would be nice, God, but I don't think I can do that. When he says, Be holy as I am holy, he says it knowing, not thinking, he's God. He knows that it is actually possible. Now, when we hear it, we go, no, I don't think so. How in the world would I ever be as holy as God? I think part of that question is born from what do we think of when we think of what it is to be hope? And what does that word even mean when we say it? We've just sung, what, six songs or so with holy in them. What, what are we even saying? When we say holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, what, what are we saying? What goes through your heart 
and through your mind when you think about that word. Whatever it is, that's probably what you read into. Be holy as I am holy. And that's why sometimes, depending on what we're thinking of, we think that's impossible. But remember what Jesus said. With man, eh, some things are impossible. I'm sure that's how he said it too. But it's true, you know. But with God, what does he say next? All things are possible. And I think we need to remember that as we look at any of things. But certainly with this, be holy is unholy is not an impossible stand. But it may take spending some time watching, learning, following, and, and spending time with the God who is whole. Kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit on this. That's okay, as it'll bear repeating later on, okay? So, first, let's read this passage that Peter uh, shares with us and, and things that he learned. He says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So the first thing he's saying to them is, I want you to be real wide, open, and alert. Get your eyes open. Pay attention. See what it is that matters. See what God is doing. Pay attention. Look at what the devil is doing. See what's good and what's evil in the world, and don't let things sneak up on you. That's what it means to be sober and alert. I almost made a whole week out of be sober and alert. No, wait. I think I did. I think that's next week. We'll get to it. So I don't have to preach it now. We'll move on. As obedient children, verse 14, do not conform the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Two things here we need to catch. I'm going to start with the latter one. Be holy because I am holy. What does it say at the end? It's rooted in his identity. Who is God? You don't be holy because you're trying to make something of yourself. That would be holier than thou, and we'll come back to that. Instead, be holy because God is holy. Again, what does that mean? When that goes through your head, through your heart, what does that mean to be holy? If God is holy... Some of us have, have the idea, Rex Boyles used to talk about this a lot, that we had the idea of holiness is like the little glow-in-the-dark baby in the nativity scene. Remember the ones back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s? Some of you are like, no, James, I wasn't bored yet. Well, that's a shame. It was good times. Uh, back then, a lot of the nativities were made of plastic. I, you know, they, when the plastic first became a thing, people just went crazy, made Jesus out of plastic, too. And the little baby Jesus would have in the nativity a light bulb inside, right? You remember the light bulb Jesus? And then it would light up out there and glow from the major scene, this little plastic baby Jesus. That sounds like I'm going into a, uh, Talladega Nights or whatever it is, but I promise you I'm not, whatever that was called. Anyway, that's the wrong movie, but you know what I'm talking about. You got this plastic glow baby Jesus, and that's our idea of holiness, of the glowing halo and all of that. That's not what holiness is. I know that that's kind of what we think. Well, that's what I'm supposed to. How am I supposed to do that? We're all supposed to become little Christian lightning bulbs? What bulbs? What is that? What are we doing? What is holiness? Well, I keep asking. I'll get around and tell you in a minute. We'll get there. The second part, or the first part that's actually I'm saying second, is the other. Just as he who called you is holy, what does he say? Be holy when? 
in all that you do? Everything? Yes. So, if it was little glow baby Jesus' holiness, I need you to glow while you brush your teeth in the morning. Is that going to be all right? You need to glow. That's what God is calling us to do? Probably not. Is it to be haughty and, and, and prideful in our religion? No, Jesus, Jesus never did that. So it couldn't be that. I think the keys to this passage are right there in it. If we look at Jesus and who he is and who he was, we look at God, who Jesus is imitating, we would look at how he lived and how he acted, wouldn't we? It's not just a, a state of be, be holy. So what, we're going to say all, is that holy? No. Look at what it said. In all that you do. So holiness is tied to our doing. It's tied to our behavior. It's tied to, tied to the way that we actually act. The way that what we believe about God and Jesus and who we are in Christ, that is holiness. Actually being people of a Christian integrity. That what we say we believe and what we actually do comes together and finds fulfillment. That when we talk about law, we actually go and love. That's what it means to be holy. It doesn't mean to have some sort of an awe feeling, although we stand in awe of God's holiness. We do. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it also goes into how we act. Do I, am I a person who speaks the truth? When I speak the truth, do I speak it in love? Am I a person who serves? Uh, are we people who actually care about people, but don't just talk about it, but actually do? Uh, so we don't just talk about, you know, kids need a place to sleep. We actually take part in. I mean, that's, I'm not really asking the question. So this is who we are. We're people who believe in actually putting our, our works where our mouth is. And so we go and we do those things. I look around this room full of people. These are the people I'm talking to. A room full of people who, who do and what you need to know is, that's holy. It's not busy work. It's not just Christian service. That is what it actually means to be holy, as God is holy. That the way that you love and the way you serve and how you do that and that you do that is itself holy. What you do is an incredible honor to God when you do it. We say that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And I, I kind of want to put a twist on that a little bit. Imitation is also the sincerest form of worship. That our worship to God is rooted in our imitation of it. Come back to that and tell you why I think that in just a second. So when Peter says this, let's do a few, it's not this things. It's not, as I said earlier, it's not just a feeling. Uh, there are feelings that accompany it. Awe and praise. Uh, we sang holy, holy, holy. It's one of my favorite songs. It's rooted right in the book of Revelation. I especially love the second verse where it describes the, the angels and, and the elders around the throne of God where you have all of them surrounding God's throne and they are casting down their golden crowns around the crystal sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee. Love that song because I love that that song is based on reality. This is happening around the clock in the presence of God. And as Christians, 
we get to participate. When we sang that song, we participated in the worship that it is about. We got to join those angels around the throne. We may not have seen it with our physical eyes. And brothers and sisters, we were there. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. There is that sense of awe and worship and praise that is holiness. But it's holiness when we participate. That song is not a song about a scene as much as it's a song about our participation in the scene. We are Christians and we are holy when we do, whether that's praise or service or love or kindness or forgiveness, it's in the doing that we become holy as he is holy. If God just showed up and said, I'm holy, we would say, okay. But God didn't just show up and say, I am holy. God showed through the power of his mercy and his might, his protection, his deliverance, his grace, the sacrifice of his son, the raising of his son. He proved through everything that he has done that he is holy. And so when he calls us to be holy, he calls us to do the same. Far more than a feeling, better than an attitude. I mentioned holier than thou. Aren't you glad that's not what it means to be holy as God is holy? That it, it means, yes, now I have a biblical excuse to be snotty in the name of Jesus. Aren't you glad that's not it? I guarantee you, if you're not, the person sitting next to you is really glad that's not it. Okay? None of us like that kind of insufferable religious attitude where uh, we're, we're either holier than thou, or as one of my teachers at Sunset used to like to put it, we're so heavenly minded, we're of no earthly good. You just, you know, our, our heads in the holiness clouds, and, and, and everything is just so kind of a spiritual la-di-da, that you, you can't even touch the earth anymore and nobody even understands you anymore. It's, it's just no good. And that's not what he's calling us to. So if you, if you hear that command, be holy as I am holy, but you're filtering it through people you know that are holier than thou, you might say, no, thank you, Jesus. That doesn't sound any good to me at all. But if we understand that it is love and action, if we understand it is compassionate, that comes becomes real in our service to others. We know that it's forgiveness and being forgiven. Holiness looks a lot better, doesn't it? You know, somebody said, you know, if I if I thought that that Christianity just meant that I had to go and and worship with smoke and stained glass for all eternity, I might say no. Aren't you glad that's not all it is? It's far better. Because it's our relationships with each other. Those relationships become holy. Just as your relationship with God is holy. Grace itself is holiness. It's not superficial. And I have superficial and legalistic. Those are kind of two different things, but they're both rooted in being superficial. Because legalism is ultimately a superficial approach to Christianity. It's one where there's no change of heart, but just a change of behavior. So it isn't what we do, holiness is, but it has to be sincere and from the heart. And uh, look at, at for, back at First Peter chapter 1. Let's go down to verse, uh, where did I want this? Let me just read a little bit further from verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, 
Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear, for you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth that you have, by the truth so that you have, sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply and from the heart. For you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Our faith and our living of it, our becoming holy as God is whole, is rooted ultimately in a very sincere, from the heart, faith. It is not something that can just be done superficially. It's not something that I can just say and, and have a t-shirt I can buy. It's not a sign we could put out front and here in front of the building and, and people just know, oh, those are some holy people. That won't work. It is when we love sincerely from the heart. It's not just feeling. It's not just doing. It is us being like Jesus through and through. From the core of our being to the surface and back that we are going to be true disciples of Christ and holy as God is whole. Did y'all take time to read that? I just put it up. I needed something in that space. And I love this. I'm, I'm cheesy. So that, that, somebody didn't, Kathy told me I was cheesy. So I thought this would work. We're cheesier this week, Kathy. You know what? I'm getting a little tired of your holier than thou attitude. That reminds me of a lie I told my, I'm going to confess sin right here. I told my sister a lie when I was about seven and eight years old. We were in the cheese section of Safeway. I don't know, Kenneth, you might have still been working there. We were in the cheese section, and we were, there was Swiss cheese, and it had holes in it. And I loved that because Tom and Jerry always had cheese that had holes in it. We never had it at our house, but it was cool to see it at the grocery store and in cartoons. And my sister asked me, how did all these holes get into this cheese? And I said, well, you know, there's this man in Switzerland. He lives up on a mountain. I had this a long time ago. This is not new. Uh I knew what somebody was thinking there. The uh, I said, there's this man that lives on the mountain, and he hates cheese. He does? Oh, he hates cheese. He hates cheese so much that every time they bring the cheese out of the factory, he blows holes in it with a shotgun before they can even get it delivered. And then they had to go take it to the grocery store, and they had to pick all the little shotgun pellets out of the cheese. And then they sell it. That's why it's a little more expensive, because it takes a lot of time to get these holes and the pellets out of, out of the cheese. There you go. That's I, I just confessed to you my lie. Okay, but now see, go or I'll be holier than thou. I would never have lied to my little sister. Yeah, right. Some of you sit next to the sister you lied to. I know how that goes. Okay, let's move on before we get in more trouble. Fierce charge. Be holy as you as God is holy and be holy in all you do. So what it's rooted in is love, but it's not just love. It's agape love. That's verses 22 and 23. Love from a sincere heart because God loved you. You love other people with the same depth of love, Peter is literally telling us how to be holy as God is holy. Love like he loves. With the same depth, the same sincerity, the same mercy and grace. You just go with being Jesus to people. It's not that complicated. It's not always easy, but it's not that complicated. Go in love with a self-sacrificing, deeply sincere love. 
And that's what grace really is. Grace is, God has done this for me, and I want to pass that on to the next person, and the next person, and the next person, and change the world for somebody else every time you pass it over. Every time. We kind of make a lot of this more complicated than it has to be. It is that simple. Everything God has done for you, you go do that for somebody else. And in the doing, you are being whole. As God is whole. Cause people to raise God. I mentioned imitation and, and that it is really the sincerest form of our worship. I got that from Paul. I got it from Paul. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. I took this from the older NIV because I like the wording best. It's what's in my head. Be imitators of God, therefore, as de- children dearly love. It's, I have that backwards, don't I? As dearly love children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God. And that's not hard to find out what God would do. Spend time in the Gospels and spend time with Jesus. That's why we have them. Just keep looking at the way you treated people. Keep looking at the way that you love people. This year, instead of going through the Bible, the, the whole Bible all year, my personal commitment is that I'm just going to go through the Gospels about five, six times, over and over and over again. I just want to see Jesus. They could spend the summer with my grandfather. I'm going to spend the summer with Jesus. That's who my grandfather was copying at him. And it will be imitators of God. The second part of that is also incredibly important. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. This passage is God's way of taking your head in his hands and looking you straight in the eyes and saying, Yes, I know what you did. Yes, I know how you've blown it. Yes, I love you. Yes, that's never going to go away. There. Yes, I redeem you. Yes, I sent my son for you. And this never changes. You are a dearly loved child of God. When you read this passage, I hope you feel his hands on the sides of your face. Dearly loved children. This isn't, this isn't ever a guilt trip when he says, be imitators of God, when Peter says, be holy as I am holy. He's telling us this is our response of love to an undying love for us. That we want to be just like, that we will look into God's face, looking back and hearing those words, and we will love it back. One of my teachers at the Haskell Singing School, Holland Boring Senior, some of you may have known him or known of him, he wrote a song called Love and Bat. Know the fullness of his love. And that was the theme of the whole song, to really know the fullness of God's love. Love and Bat. Focus on how you can please him and how you can honor him for what he's done. And all he will do is pour more love right back into you again and again, and again. And it will not be hard then to summon up a heart that is full of gratitude and a heart that's full of grace and a heart that's full of mercy and compassion for others because you will be so full 
of what God has done for you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as children dearly loved and live a life of love, just as he loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's his call to us. One last thing that I want to do. I almost never say one last thing. There's a real good reason for that, because sometimes it's not real. But this one will be. One last thing is this. Holiness is born of presence. I have to spend that time with God, whether it's in prayer or in the Word or, or serving alongside them as you help somebody through something. Spend that time with God, because that's how that holiness comes to you. You think about the people in the Gospels and in the Old Testament as well who were changed by God. Zacchaeus has Jesus over for dinner for one night and his entire life changed in that one dinner with Jesus. The adulterous woman who was caught spent that moment being defended by Jesus. It changed her present, her future, everything. His mercy, his grace, his compassion changed everything. And she was transformed by it. Moses goes to inspect a burning bush, finds out that he's in the presence of the I Am. When he does, he finds out that even the ground underneath his feet had been changed by the presence of God. We like to say, I don't know why, because we're wrong, but we like to say, now things can't be holy, only people can be holy. Have we read Exodus? Take off your sandals, Moses, for the ground you're standing on is holy ground. Even the dirt beneath his feet were transformed by the presence of God. If you look at things in your life that you think, I just don't know if I can make that better. I don't know if I can make that change. Well, you may not. Sometimes with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In his presence, it's possible. He can change us. He can cause us to grow in ways we never would have imagined or expected. But he can do that. Presence makes all the difference in the world. You know, that's why he puts his Holy Spirit into you. When you are baptized into Christ, one of the penances. Acts 2.38, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is that gift? People get distracted by flash and bang. What's the gift he believed was most important for your eternity? His presence. The Spirit to live within you, to be with you, to strengthen you, to comfort you, to give you peace when there should be none. His presence is the transforming thing. So be present with God. You know the old joke about the husband and the wife? They're going down the road. Husband's driving along. His wife says, Tico, I remember when we were younger. We used to sit right by each other in the car all the time. And now look at us. We're on opposite sides of the car. Why did we change? And the husband, holding on the steering wheel, looks over and goes, Well, who moved? I think God says the same thing to us. Say, well, I... I, I, I don't always feel the presence. I think God looks at us and goes, well, who moved? I'm, yeah, that's an American car if I'm on this side, right? Okay, so God, I'm not going to say God's an American, not even as a joke. You know what I mean. But 
I was on the right side of the road anyway. The, you see what I'm saying? Who moves for things to be right again? Who needs to move? For growth to happen, who needs to move? God has already made the hugest move from his throne in the life of his son all the way to right here among us. He moved heaven, earth, and hell to come to us. He's going, would you just come this far? Would you just come that far? All right. One thing. This is my last thing. I've got this song. Before we sing it, we are going to sing it. I want you to work with me on a little bit of an imagination thing, all right? Uh, if it helps you to close your eyes, I'm not going to make anybody. I'm going to inspect, but yeah, if it helps you close your eyes to imagine this, close your eyes. This is a familiar passage, but I want you to try and picture it as much as you can. So feel free to do that. But if you snore, there'll be a song and we'll, we'll call you forward. Uh, but it won't be the first song. Picture this. I, I did feel just a little bit of maw on Golden Girls then. Picture it. Isle of Patmos. A.D., what is that? Around A.D. 85, something like that. 95, depending on when it was written. After this I looked. And there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was at, I was, excuse me, at once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounded Surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads, and from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles and peals of thunder. Before the throne seven lamps were blazing. There were seven spirits of God, and before the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with the eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had the face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by your will they were created and had their be. I want us to join for a second. That throne room scene. Again, if it helps you to imagine this better, you can keep your eyes closed or go ahead and close them. I want you to recite with me a few times what they're saying before the throne of God. The holy, holy, holy. Okay. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
we say those words with the angels of heaven. We say them with the apostles who went on before us, the witnesses and those who were martyred, who were under the altar in this scene. We say this with the thousands upon thousands who gather at Mount Zion, as Hebrews 12 says, to worship the Lord our God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This is not our invitation song, but if you need to respond to the invitation in a moment, we'll have one, and you can come and we'll pray for you. If you need to put Christ on a baptism, man, we'll be, we'd be glad to do that. But I want us to stop and actually worship God for a second. Because the ground on which we stand in this moment is holy. Because God is present. It's not theory. It's not metaphor. It is real. God is among us. And he calls us to be just like him. And in being just like him, we recognize what is. And what is real beyond what our understanding see. Hey, let's sing this song. 